College Basketball Insider. Some news and notes from around the world of college basketball. In-studio correspondent for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Attention please to John Rothstein. Please report <laughs> Dude, to St. The Insider's Insider. Joining us now with his thoughts and a break it down, John Rothstein. It's College Hoops Today with John Rothstein. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. John Rothstein here on the College Hoops Today podcast later in this show we will be joined by Xavier head coach Sean Miller want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast on Apple Podcasts. we want to be your bible for the college basketball season and beyond we are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook give us a like give us a review let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year and also send me your questions on Twitter I'll get to them later in this podcast. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John, J-O-N. And also a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the popular podcast platforms. Make sure to subscribe, like, and rate the show. And please feel free to leave us comments. And also check out collegehoopstoday.com for breaking news, podcast archives, stories, and analysis on the greatest sport that we have on our globe. So a crazy weekend in college basketball, a crazy time in college basketball, because we are going through a season right now and as we tape this podcast on a monday at 11 47 a.m on the january 23rd and we are just six weeks and change from selection sunday not that anybody is counting we again reiterate the sentiment that's been going on for about the last month we have unbelievable parity in college basketball and i thought sunday when Temple went to the Fertitta Center and was able to beat Houston, who was ranked number one in the AP Top 25 last week, it sent that message to a different level. Because Temple is now a team that has beaten Houston, that has beaten Rutgers, and it has also lost to Wagner and Maryland Eastern Shore. Remember, it's not anarchy. It's just college basketball. Purdue was also pushed on Sunday against Maryland to the wire at Mackey Arena. Out of all the teams at the top of the polls, Alabama is without question playing the best basketball. Now, with that said, I have had Purdue in the one spot. I voted Purdue number one with my AP vote. But again, this season is dominated by parity and parity that will give us what I think is going to be an unpredictable and crazy NCAA tournament because this season really reminds me of the 2010-2011 season. Now, what happened that season? The Final Four was made up of these four teams. Kentucky, who was a four seed, who did not get Ennis Canner eligible. UConn, who was a three seed, a three seed that won a national championship with a 9-9 and record in Big East play. And on the other side of the bracket... You had Butler, an 8 seed, and you had VCU, an 11 seed, that started in the first four and wound up in the final four. That, to me, is the type of season that we have playing out and will play out on April 1st and April 3rd in Houston. Where was the final four I just referenced in 2011? Houston. It all just feels like a little bit of history repeating. And if you are a team with a puncher's chance... You got to feel good again as we are just six weeks and six days away from Selection Sunday. 
Xavier is 16 and 4 after 20 games in their first year in the second rendition of Sean Miller at Xavier. And the head coach of the Musketeers will join the College of Day podcast with John Rothstein coming up next. Xavier is 16 and 4 after 20 games. The Musketeers entering a huge week in Big East play. The head coach of Xavier is Sean Miller. He now joins the College Hoops Today podcast with Sean, with John Rothstein and Sean. Considering the difficulties of your non-conference schedule, what do you think your reaction would have been prior to the season if somebody told you you're going to be 16 and 4 after 20 games? Yeah, I mean, John, I would have taken it uh clearly, you know, not only because of uh the teams that we played before we got to Big East, but I think, you know, adding on to that, being a new coach, new staff, it just, no matter how veteran of a group you have or, or not veteran of a group, it just, it takes time. You know, it takes all actually multiple seasons. And I think in our case, you know, we've incrementally gotten better. The month of November, you know, came and went. We are certainly a much more confident team in December. And I think, you know, ditto the, the same thing uh, for January. So, you know, we feel good about uh, what what we've done, and, and clearly you can't take that from us, but uh, we are about ready to go through a, a stretch of games, especially the away games that we have that are going to be uh, a tough task. Now, you had a long winning streak that was snapped last week against the Paul. That occurred after your team, for the first time as a group, was ranked in the AP Top 10. How much was that a mental adjustment for a group that is yet to play cohesively in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you know, we talked about about those types of things even before we got to DePaul. But but I'll tell you, John, DePaul was was more a game of number one. DePaul did a great job. They beat us, and uh, they have a talented group. Uh, they uh, I think have played better at home this year than on the road. We knew going into that game that regardless of where we were ranked. You know, Big East on the road, middle of the week, that we were going to get their best shot and that it was going to be a tough game. But we, we didn't have it on offense that night. And, you know, that was the outlier game for us. Colby Jones and Sule, two of our best players combined for four for 26. And, look, I'll tell you this, if they would have combined four for 26 against other teams or that happens in the future, it's going to be tough for us to win on that particular night. So uh, we had to overcome that. Uh, we fought hard in the second half, but uh, we lost on the road in a conference that's easy to do uh, right now. It's it's tough to win on the road in the Big East. Now, the Big East has been sensational. Every game feels like it's an event. But the one thing that's been real consistent about your team has been the way that your teams have played offensively throughout the entire season. And it's been very different from your previous stop at Xavier and your previous stop at Arizona, what allowed Sean Miller to have this type of offensive transformation as a head coach? Well, I think it always starts with the players. We're lucky. Not only do we have, you know, two big guys, Zach Fremantle and Jack Nungy, you know, that are equally adept at scoring in and around the basket, but also they're, they're fluid and can pass and make good decisions away from the basket. You know, I, I think that helps offense in general. Uh, and then, you know, the other guys as well, you know, they're veteran players. So I'll start with those guys. And they've also done a great job of kind of buying into maybe a different way, new terminology, a different style. Um, for me as a coach, you know, in the year off, I've obviously, you know, I love the game. I spent a lot of time, you know, watching different styles. Uh, Gonzaga, because I was in the West for 13 years, I was very familiar with them. And then obviously Tommy Lloyd going to Arizona from Gonzaga, you know, watched 
players that I had coached previously play a different style. Uh, I thought that that was really enlightening for me. And, you know, and really just trying to look and steal concepts, implement some things that we've always done, maybe play at a faster clip. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the one year off served me well as a coach in a lot of ways, but clearly we're playing a different style. And I think it's a style that uh, will will stay with me as a coach from here on out. I, I really think it's the future, maybe playing through concepts more and playing at a faster clip. You know, Sean, Bill Parcells had a great quote. He said, when you're coaching, you're miserable. And when you're not coaching, you're more miserable. But you had an opportunity <laughs> to recharge last year, which coaches don't get to do in a profession that is 24-7, 365. Would you be the coach that you are today for this Xavier team if you didn't sit out last season? I don't think I would. You know, and I'll probably disagree with Coach Parcells just in my particular situation. You know, for a lot of different factors, last year was good for me. It was less, it was less miserable, and I, and I think that sometimes when you're away from the game, you recognize and realize how much you love it, and maybe the reasons that you love it. You know, the impact you have on young people, watching them develop, coaching them. You know, sometimes bouncing back after a tough loss and all that goes into that with a staff and a team, and how that feels to be able to bounce back and be victorious, winning on the road, you know, things like that. Uh, so I, I think that when that's taken away from you, you miss it. And then, you know, at some point, you know, you have to be able to recharge, like you said. And uh, I used it for, I believe, all the right reasons for me, my family. And I'm also grateful to be here at Xavier. This is a great place and an amazing conference. And, uh, and we have a good group. And, you know, my hope is that through the first 20 games, we've established ourselves in that in the next 11 regular season games that maybe we could play uh, our very best basketball. Xavier head coach Sean Miller joined the College Hoops Day podcast with John Ruff. The Musketeers 16-4 and overall will take the floor next Wednesday at UConn. You know, Sean, there was a time at Arizona where you said openly that you thought about going to the Final Four every 10 minutes. It seems now, from a distance, that you're coaching every day just to be the best you can be on that very day. How much higher is quality of life off the court when that's your mental philosophy? Yeah, for sure, John. Uh, I'm much more in control of, of who I am. I think I have, and, and we do as a coaching staff, maybe a renewed, fresh perspective. Uh, you know, Jim Behan told me one time when I was with him in Colorado Springs, and I'll never forget it, he said, you know, sometimes when you least expect to make a deep run in the NCAA tournament or you least expect to be there at the end, it happens for you. And, you know, I, I think that's a lot of wisdom coming from somebody like him. But I think in, it, in some other ways that what he was also saying is if sometimes you try too hard, it can work against you and your group. And you're right. You know, I think it's trying to be the best that you can be. Not that you didn't do that before. But, you know, you try to enjoy the good moments, try to enjoy the days off, and you really just try to enjoy this game. You know, college basketball, you know better than anybody. is just an awesome sport. It's great to be a part of, and, uh, you know, I'm thrilled to, to be a part of it. Now, we can get deep, we can get philosophical, but we are still in the guts of conference play, and it's pretty clear, and you're the first one to say it, that, you know, this Xavier team, regardless of the fact that it's won 80% of its first 20 games, is not a great and even sometimes not an average defensive team. How tough is it for you with the way you've built teams during your coaching career to wake up with that every morning? 
Yeah, I mean, I've had to adjust, and, you know, sometimes it's, you know, you look at the standards of, of what we do, and if they're not good enough, well, we're, we're going to stay stay and really working on trying to become better on that side of the ball. Um, you can only go so far if you're just a good defensive team. You know, I've had uh, teams in the past that you look at and say, man, you're one of America's best defensive teams, and you're good on offense, but, man, if you were better on offense, uh, you might be able to go further. Well, right. You know, in this particular season for us, we're more on the offensive side of it. That doesn't mean that we're not trying to get better or that maybe we don't have more in us. And I I do think that we will go only as far as our defense will take us. Uh, You know, there are times when we can be really efficient on offense, but as we get in the month of February playing teams for the second time and you get into that March madness, you have to be able to get stops. Our team knows that. I know that. We all know that. Uh, and uh, we feel good about you know where we're at. Uh, certainly, we're well aware of the, that's something we have to correct. And maybe maybe this year it's not to be the best, but to be better, uh, I think we have to improve in the next six weeks on defense. And, you know, that's something that obviously is going to be critical to win a Big East regular season title or an equality seed in the NCAA tournament, which is two things that you have an opportunity to do. You know, Sean, I remember so many conversations when you were at Arizona and we would talk about, well, you know, the Pac-12 needs to do this or the Pac-12 needs to do that to gain a little bit more attention nationally. For you, regardless of the fact that you played in the Big East, how awesome has it been to coach in this conference because all of those things that you have to used to have to deal with with the Pac-12 are no longer an issue because of the pride and tradition of the Big East? Yeah, you know, I'll answer that twofold, John. One, I mean, I loved my time in the Pac-12. And I, when I became the coach at Arizona, it was the Pac-10. What I realize even more now here that I'm back at Xavier is, you know, it's just so difficult for the Pac-12 because of the time difference. You know, even for me trying to watch my friends coach or watch an Arizona game, you know, it's hard to stay up that late. You know, it just the visibility of the great players and the teams and the season out there if you live in the East, it's just, let's face it, it's very challenging. Being back in the East uh, and just kind of being in front of people at the Eastern time zone, uh, it's, been, it's been kind of a, oh, eye-opening because I was away from it for so long. But I think more so the Big East is just about basketball. You know, it's, there's no confusion. We all love it uh, going on these trips. I guess, you know, I haven't been to Butler. I haven't been to Providence. But I've been to every other uh, venue, um, you know, at, at this point, either playing them here or, or us going to their away court. And, you know, you're reminded of how important basketball is, really good coaches, uh, good teams, uh, you know, tough, tough arenas to win in. You know, being at the Carneseca Arena, you know, I've had flashbacks of how it felt as a player, you know, back then. It hasn't changed much. You know, it's just it's still incredibly difficult to go in there and play in that arena and get a win. and uh, But this is a conference that, as a player, as a coach, and I think you want to be in, and I think our future is incredibly bright. And it's obviously bright when you have great players. And, you know, the addition to Xavier's nucleus this year that has probably made the biggest impact is Sule Boom, who's, you know, in contention to be an All-American. How, in terms of your career, in terms of players usurping your initial expectations, has Boom probably usurped you and your staff or what you expected when you got his commitment in the offseason? 
Well, right. You know, when you go to the transfer portal, at least from our philosophy is, you know, you want to go to the transfer portal and you want to bring somebody that, A, fits the style, fits, you know, the environment, the program we're, we're in charge of, but also that, you know, if they're going to leave one opportunity for another, you, you in fact, have to have what they're looking for. Uh, and, and one of the reasons this works so well between Sule Boom and Xavier is that, you know, he wanted the opportunity to be a point guard at the highest level on a good team, but really have the opportunity to, to play big minutes, potentially start. And if you look at all those things, that's what we had for him. Mm-hmm. So it was a good fit for both him, but it was also a good fit for us. We were well aware of his ability to get fouled, make free throws, his ability to make shots and score. And I think for us, the way we like our guards is, you know, we want, want guards that can score. I think the days of just kind of having a pass-first point guard that only takes open shots, it's just a game so much different now. So we really went out to try to get that type of player, and Sule has done a, really a great job through the first 20 games for us. And he's one of probably four players in your starting five that are playing like all Big East players. Another one is Zach Fremantle. And going over the numbers a couple of days ago, you know, Zach Fremantle right now is four points and four rebounds away from tying his totals in those categories from last season. And he's already tallied 24 more assists than he did during all of last season. How's this happened? Yeah, I mean, Zach has really been locked in over the last four to six weeks, you know, and uh, I think a style of offense that fits who he is um, is is part of it. And a part of it is, uh, you know, he puts a lot of work in, John. Uh, you know, I haven't coached too many guys over my time that get in the gym earlier that work extra on what they do. I think the challenge for Zach has been to incorporate that love for the game and his ability more into the team setting you know, and being able to learn what to do, how to do it, impact the game more on than just scoring and understanding that, you know, his impact passing and his ability to maybe defend more, that when you win, good things happen. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's been kind of like incremental, but I will tell you that, you know, he's playing his best basketball, maybe of his career, but certainly of this year right now. You know, Sean, one of the interesting things that obviously was a result of the COVID pandemic was, you know, the NCAA granting an extra year of eligibility to players who were in school during the 1920 season. It's obviously, you know, benefited you guys this year by Sule Boom getting a fifth year. You know, Villanova last year had two fifth-year seniors, Colin Gillespie and Jermaine Samuels, that helped them get back to a Final Four. Will Xavier use that model to recruit moving forward, considering that there are players in your program, Zach Fremantle, Jack Nunji, your front court, who have an additional year of eligibility? <laughs> That's the crystal ball that I don't have, uh, John. I, I would tell you this, though, and I learned this at my time at Arizona. You know, if you see it through their lens, what's best for them, and you really stay true to that, what what ends up being best for you is the identical decision they make. And, and I really mean that. Once in a while, a young, talented player makes the decision to pursue his NBA dreams or move on, but yet because of how he performed in your program, the experience that he had, it paves the way for future talent and really good players that are like them, that are going to choose your program because they watched what happened to that young person. 
every once in a while, you know, if it's in the player's best interest to return and add to their game to be better in a certain area so that a year from that decision that maybe their dreams are bigger and they have more opportunities, well, you know, we're going to work hard to convince that young person that, that that's also in their best interest. But we're going to start with them. Uh, I will say we have two players, Thule Boom and Adam Kunkel, that are finished. Everybody else has remaining eligibility. And, uh, you know, I think when we get to that point, that's certainly something we're well aware of. And I also think that retaining good players, retention, allowing them to learn your system. And in our case, you got to realize none of these guys have been with us in our system for more than one year, regardless of how long they've been in college basketball. So I think there's an inherent advantage towards being able to return and play a second year with the same terminology and same drills. I've never seen a player not be more comfortable in that second time around than he was in the first. And, you know, Nick Cronin, and you know this, John, and I have become good coaching friends. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I admire some of the things that he's been able to do with UCLA's program. And, you know, I watch Jaime, Jaquez, and Tiger. They terrorized me like four years ago when I was still the coach in Arizona. You turn the TV on, and here they are, you know, two of the best at their position in their final year trying to get back to their second final four. So there is value in that, but I also think there's value in that if it's time to leave and it's in their best interest, then uh, that's what we support. Xavier head coach Sean Miller joined the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein, Musketeers 16-4, and and there is no way to get around what's ahead for Xavier in the next six days at UConn, at Creighton, and you know UConn this time of year, you're going to get there, it's going to be January, and you're going to get off the bus and you're going to say, you know, there's two seasons in this state, it's the 4th of July and it's winter. When you look at what's ahead for your team, what are you going to learn about your team over the next six days that you didn't know prior? Yeah, you know, the way I'm going to frame it is simply how I and we look at it with our own team. At the end of the day, when we get into early March, all 11 Big East teams will play 10 home games and 10 on the road. And respectively, there are always those tough pockets in each schedule of the 11 teams. You know, back-to-back road games, you know, coming off of a tough loss or back-to-back losses, a losing streak. I think the teams that are going to do the best job of navigating that 20-game regular season schedule is that team that just kind of sees it for what it is. I mean, there was a couple weeks ago that we were like at Villanova and Marquette and Creighton at home and at DePaul. And it's like, wow, that's going to be a tough four games. When you're in one of college basketball's best conferences, there's going to be multiple stretches. And sometimes when you don't feel like you're going through a tough stretch, that's when you get the wake-up call and you get the other part of this, and that is you weren't as ready for a game that you needed to be, and you realize that in this conference, any team can beat you on any given night. So, yeah, this week we play at UConn, and then we go at Creighton, two really good teams, two tough environments. It's just up to us to be at our best, and regardless of when this week ends, guess what? We're going to have another tough game the next week. I think we play Providence at home. So we just have to be ready, can't get too far ahead of ourselves and be the best we can be. You know, Sean, we're still, you know, six weeks and six days away from Selection Sunday. Not that anybody's counting. But, you know, I'm always trying, and I've covered your teams for a long time, to identify teams that could maybe underachieve during the regular season but be in the middle of the bracket and be a menace on a neutral court. 
I'm looking at Creighton as being a team that could be seeded maybe from the 7 to 10 range in the NCAA tournament. After playing them once, what do you think the Blue Jays could be if they're healthy six, seven weeks down the line on a neutral court? They're a very, very good team. You know, they have components that not a lot of college basketball teams do. For example, when you think of Creighton, you think of offense, you think of fast pace, firepower. They're the Big East best defensive team. And they do it in a little bit of a different way. Colt Brenner, his size, his shot blocking ability, and what he allows the perimeter players on Creighton's team to do defensively is very unique. It makes for a tough game. Hard to score on them around the basket. Also, when you look at them on offense, I mean, they have they have some really good, talented players. They can beat you from the three-point line. On the court, all five players can score, and they do it in a, in a really smart way. I think Greg McDermott, you know, he's very, very good offensive coach as well, hard to guard. And I think the last part is they have great experience. I mean, they've been in the winner's circle. They've experienced the tournament. They have returning starters, and I think they're confident. Uh, I think you're, you're right to feel the way that you feel about them. And also, you know, if, if Colt Brenner didn't get sick sure. and them being, being playing, I think, one of the best schedules in the country, their record would actually be better than it currently is, too. So that's the other thing to consider with them. You know, Sean, coaches, and I know you're this way too, are only focused on the next practice, the next game, the next prep. But, you know, before we get to the NCAA tournament, you know, you are going to have a chance to come to New York in about six weeks and coach in the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. I know with the week that you have, that's the last thing on your mind. But how much are you looking forward to that, considering it's something you've never done as a head coach? You're right, and you know I've, I've I've experienced it because as a player, you know, four years while I was at University of Pittsburgh, we were a part of the Big East Conference. So, uh, you know, no one has to paint that picture for me and tell me how it feels to be playing in in the Big East tournament uh, and to advance in that tournament, and you know, to ever play towards the weekend, you know, that's extraordinary. Uh, I think for your fan base, for the players and coaches. And that's what, one of the many things that makes the Big East such a unique conference and such a great conference to be a part of. Uh, Madison Square Garden in March Madness. So when that time comes, uh, I certainly will be excited. By the way, it won't be easy to stick around in that tournament. You know, yeah. everybody, that's what's going to make it so special this year is that from the first game to the last, I think there's five or six different teams that can be there in the winner's circle. So uh, it should be, it should be an exciting Big East tournament for sure. Final thing, Sean. You know, you've already talked about how, you know, your team is going to go as far as your defense and how as far as that defense improves over the next six, seven weeks. Aside from getting better defensively, what are the biggest keys for Xavier between now and Selection Sunday? Well, I think, number one, you know, we all need good health. I mean, you, you, you see the storylines all the time where, a very, very good team just, you know, loses a key player. Maybe not for the season, but at the wrong wrong part of the season. And it, it certainly can be costly. And, you know, we've got our fingers crossed. And I think on our end, you know, we're trying to be the smartest we can be in terms of practice time, staying with our strength and conditioning to, to protect our players from injuries. Uh, I think, you know, 
so you need good health. And I think number two is, you know, there's so much made of March Madness, and I think everybody looks so much forward to that period of time. But, you know, as a player, as a team, coach, coaching staff, you sometimes can really take your eyes off of what's the most important. And what we can control is just how we go about our business, how focused we are on the task at hand. Today's practice, today's game, you know, to your earlier point, being able to bounce back after a tough loss, tough week, and then uh, and then win a, a very pivotal game. You know, those are all things that really allow you to have a great season. So I think uh, just staying right, right where we're at in the present, and uh, it's not as easy as everybody thinks, but that's certainly something that I think we're talking a lot about and trying to guard against so that, you know, when we play UConn, for example, on Wednesday, that if we don't win the game, it's not because of us. It's because UConn's really good, and they beat us. And then if that's the case, we'll move on to the next game, and and we'll be fine. Well, Sean, it's going to be a lot of fun to cover. Appreciate a couple minutes. Safe travels to UConn. Have a great week, and as always, look forward to staying connected along the way. You're the best, John. Thanks for having me on. We'd like to thank Xavier head coach Sean Miller for joining the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein. Want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein on Apple Podcasts. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also a reminder to find and listen to the College Hoops Today podcast on all the popular podcast platforms. Platforms. Make sure to subscribe, like, and rate the show, and please feel free to leave us comments. And also, check out collegehoopstoday.com for breaking news, podcast archives, stories, and analysis on the greatest sport that we have on our globe. And time now for our social media portion of the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Send me your questions on Twitter. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John J O N. Robert Hicks wants to know, John. What is Rutgers' floor and ceiling in regards to the NCAA tournament? As I referenced in the open, if you were a team that, again, has been a top 25 caliber team, you should feel that you have a chance to advance and win multiple games in the NCAA tournament. Rutgers has displayed that, and Rutgers has done what no other team has done as of yet this season, win a game against Purdue, and they won a game at Mackey Arena. Joseph Salvatore wants to know, Kentucky stock has been rising. How far can this team go in March? Look, I believe Kentucky will make the NCAA tournament. I believe that Kentucky will hear its name called on Selection Sunday. I don't know yet how far this team can go in March, but this is all I'm going to say. How many teams are going to look forward to seeing Kentucky on a neutral court with Oscar Shibwet? I think Kentucky will play its way and be a 7 to a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament, which would set up if Kentucky were to win its first game and it was in the 8-9 position. It would set up Kentucky against a 1 seed on a Saturday or a Sunday of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament with, for the record, is going to be always my favorite two days of the tournament because you either have... The upsets, the Cinderella's, the teams that won their first games trying to get to that second weekend, or you have a chance to have the best teams in terms of the seeds picked off in the round of 32. The round of 32 might be my favorite round of the NCAA tournament. Sports Mansion wants to know, John, 
How likely is it that the CAA will be a two-bid league? It's trending that way if Charleston does not win the CAA Conference Tournament. But with that said, if Charleston did win the CAA Tournament, then it would still be a one-bid league. But you got to remember, Towson under Pat Scarry was picked to win that league. The Tigers have battled some injuries. They have not had the season that many had hoped, including, you know, Pat Scarry. But Towson will be an interesting team to watch in that tournament because Towson is the team that brought everybody back from last year's team that won the CAA regular season title. Charleston, in a lot of ways, has taken a lot of the attention off a Towson team that brought back a lot of pieces from the team a year ago that won the regular season. Now, let's get to some nuggets. Five good nuggets. Five. Five. Six. No, five. But you were close. Nugget number one, the finest of Filipowski. How about Duke freshman Kyle Filipowski in his last three games, averaging 21 points and 14.3 rebounds. Blue Devils Monday night in a matchup with Virginia Tech. Nugget number two, all eyes on Rodney. How about Rodney Terry, the acting head coach for Texas? Longhorns are 9-2 and two since he took over the program. Nugget number three, Zach attack. Xavier Zach Fremantle. Four points and four rebounds away from tying his totals in those categories from last season. He already has 24 more assists than he had during last year. Nugget number four, Randy Dandy. St. Mary's 18-4 and four in the West Coast Conference. Don't be shocked if the Gales, not Gonzaga, win the WCC regular season title. Nugget number five. A thought for the Atlantic 10. There's a lot of things that the A-10 needs to do to regain national relevance. Moving its conference tournament to the Palestra in Philadelphia on an annual basis would be a tremendous first step. I've said it before. I'll say it again. This league needs a makeover. Now let's get some games to watch. Games to watch. Games to watch. Tuesday, a couple of big ones in the Big 12. Kansas State at Iowa State. Oklahoma State at Texas. Wednesday, Xavier is at UConn. Houston hits the road at UCF, and then Thursday in L.A., UCLA takes on USC at the Galen Center. We'd like to thank Xavier head coach Sean Miller for joining the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein. We'll be back next week, same bad time, same bad channel. This was the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein. <laughs>